Welcome to Sothos Security Chat Chat, episode 178 for the 24th of December 2014. I'm not Chester, as you can hear, Chester's on vacation, and I'm not John Shire, he's on vacation as well. I'm Paul Ducklin, stepping up to the microphone as the presenter this week. Now, it's the middle of summer for me, so I'm enjoying a bit of outdoor lifestyle experience. I'm on the road, so if you hear wind in the trees and bird noises and passers-by, please forgive me while I enjoy my summer sunshine. This week, I'm going to be talking to my friend and colleague from Naked Security, who is not in the middle of summer, Mark Stockley. Hello, Mark. Hi. Indeed, I'm sat here wearing all the clothes I own. In a, in a small office in the dead of winter. The longest slash shortest day is past. Certainly the longest night doesn't seem to be past for Sony, though, does it? They just continue <laughs> to dominate the story about what got breached, what got stolen, who did it. Now, we decided we'd had enough of that, so we were going to take a different angle and say, right, what are three simple things you can do? And one of the tips that I put in that article was the idea of revisiting all your access control so that you don't give everybody access to everything because you're only a small business and you all trust each other. When you try and sell that to your customers, do they just go, oh, it's too inconvenient, I couldn't be bothered? Or are attitudes starting to change? Unfortunately, I'm not detecting any change in attitude at the moment. I get to see a lot of people's passwords, and they're really nowhere in terms of password security either. We've got a a very, very long way to go. It's not uncommon to uh, make contact with a company. Quite often, I need access to one or more systems for a small business when we first meet. So they they barely know me. And it's not uncommon for them to send me all the credentials they have for all of their systems because they don't know which system I need access to. So they'd rather take the risk that you might not be a good guy after all thinking that better to save time now and make things easier than actually you might have to ask again and it would be would get in the way. It's what I would describe as ritual in the sense that there's a ritual that they know that needs to be performed uh, around computer systems which involves passwords and having of passwords but they don't really understand what that's for. There's no there's no connection to what benefit that's giving them. It's not uncommon to receive emails full of passwords. There's absolutely no understanding out there, I think, about the the sort of fundamental snoopability of email, if you like. It seems like we have some way to go with this whole concept of need to know, Um, particularly in small businesses where you pass the interview, you join the company, it's almost like you're part of the family. So why shouldn't you see everything? And, you know, it's on your honour not to look in the wrong places. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Just on that, uh, on the point of, of, you know, the different roles in small businesses, I think one of the problems is the fact that within small businesses, there's a lot of everybody doing everything. So you don't necessarily have the same kind of clear cut roles that you might have in a larger organization. They don't necessarily understand the fundamental nature of their company, that actually their, their, their company is quite often the intellectual property they own. And they don't exert the same kind of access control over that intellectual property as they do over, say, the petty cash box. Something about the fact that, you know, the petty cash is is very real and in a metal container with a lock on it, it makes it much more obvious that that's a a thing that needs to be protected. Do you think that malware like CryptoLocker, which particularly, say, in the UK, according to the University of Kent, has hit something like one in 30 people and 
something like 40% of those actually paid the $300 to get their data back. Do you think that sort of real slap in the face malware where you actually suddenly don't have your data has been a bit of a wake up call? Things like CryptoLocker and also things like Heartbleed and Shellshock, I think those are the things that make it real for people. Small businesses inevitably will deal with the things that need to be dealt with and do everything else tomorrow because that's the difference between uh, you know, having a business and not having one sometimes. Well, Mark, talking about uh, doing things tomorrow, if we can um, move on to the next topic I'd like to talk about, uh, it's a story by John Hawes on Naked Security about the European Banking Association uh, suggesting that it's going to, as good as demand, something that's pretty much two-factor authentication um, as soon as August 2015. I think actually that's one area where there's a clear benefit for the banks themselves and actually quite a lot of commercial pressure to get on with it. So I do think there are areas where governments can help and government regulation can help or even the threat of government regulation can help because quite often it's sabre rattling by governments that gets industry self-regulation moving. I think two-factor authentication is very much front of mind for the banking industry at the moment. Uh, I attended a conference very recently, a banking security conference, which was attended by all manner of luminaries from the banking industry and the technology industry. And all anybody's talking about is biometrics. And biometrics is normally part of a two-factor authentication scheme. So that's where you type in your username and your password, which is the same every time, but somebody else could work out what it is. And then you have to say, and I am physically here because I swipe my fingerprint, for example, on this sensor. I think what's being discussed at the moment is what form is the two-factor authentication going to take, and, and one of the forms is probably going to be biometric, but the, the composition, I think people are trying out some fairly interesting things. So it may be that your two-factor authentication is actually um, having a recognised device and having the right thumbprint, or it might be iris recognition, or it might be face recognition, paired with a PIN or a password or something like that. But do you think that biometrics will ever become universally popular or acceptable. You know, the idea that if you give me a token or you give send me SMSs and something goes horribly wrong with the system and it gets compromised, I can get a new mobile phone number, I can get a new token, but I can't get new fingerprints. Don't you think that might hold it back a little bit because people are reticent to give away information about themselves that can never change? If biometrics becomes commonplace because it's in place in things like ATMs, that in itself may be what tips people over to, to an acceptance of it. I think if you get a, a wholesale acceptance in some common everyday task and it works well, then people may start asking, well, why can't I do this uh, on my laptop or why can't I do this in my place of work or something like that? Talking about protecting us from cyber crooks, the recent story about ICANN the people who look after DNS and who lives where on the internet getting breached was a bit of an eye-opener, wasn't it? As with so many breaches in 2014, they were owned through the medium of spear phishing, which is actually a rather old-school attack where you just send someone a dodgy email, but you tailor the email so it's a bit more believable than usual. Not much more than that, is it? Absolutely. Uh... It's a bit depressing that here we are at the end of 2014 and we're still talking about phishing attacks. Not only is it an old school technique, it's, it's a very 
unfortunately, productive technique. Now, you often hear spearfishing and the dread words advanced persistent threat tied together as though spearfishing is some kind of super special, super clever, super informed attack. Really, it boils down to phishing is where you get an email that says, Dear Sir Stroke Madam, please click here to change your banking password. And spear phishing is where you get something that says, Dear Mr. Stockley, as a valued member of the web development community, we'd love you to look at this document. So it doesn't have to know an awful lot about you to be spear phishing, does it? But if you were a cyber criminal, why, why would you do anything else? If the cyber criminals can execute the same technique year after year after year, we're not doing whatever we need to do in order to force them to change. There is no reason for them to conduct a, uh, a complex threat when an easy one will do. In many cases, it sounds as though spear phishing attacks could have been thwarted fairly easily by what we were just talking about, namely two-factor authentication. Because in many cases, spear phishing gets you part of the way, but then for every transaction that you do in the future, you're going to need that magic token, whether it's via SMS, whether it's a fingerprint scan, whether it's some digits off a little fob. That makes it much, much harder for the crooks, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I don't know what to add to that, sorry. <laughs> um, so that brings me to the last article I'd like to discuss, which is something you wrote, uh, and would love people to come and participate as well on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Uh, did computer security get better or worse in 2014? What do you think? What did our readers think about better or worse this year? <laughs> so what I did was I asked our regular contributors what they thought of 2014, whether or not they thought computer security had improved or got worse, really as food for thought to see what our readers thought, because we obviously we have a readership around the world. They work in all sorts of different areas, and some are in computer security and IT, and some are small business people, and some are students. And I think what's interesting, across our contributors and our readers, the results of the poll seem to suggest people thought things had got marginally worse, but it, it didn't seem as if it was that clear cut for people when they were describing it. So certainly some bad things happened, actually some really bad things happened, but some, some pretty good things happened in 2014 as well. Most notably, I think, things like the, the successful shutdown of the game over botnet and the apparent shutdown of CryptoLocker with it. There seems to be the sense that the big computer security stories this year have crossed over into the mainstream. As soon as you bring people face to face with the, the consequences of poor security, that's when it starts to mean something. That's when it starts to matter. There's a general sense that that's what's happened this year. So it sounds as though you're saying, well, things have got so bad they can't get any worse, therefore they can only get better, therefore that's good. That's not quite true, is it? Maybe actually computer security will be at the top of people's minds in 2015. It remains to be seen. I, I, I seem to remember people saying something similar at the end of 2013. So I'm not holding my breath about that. We, we've, yes, I think they we've... may have said it in 1999. <laughs> well, there's going to be this terrible millennium and then it'll all be great from there. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. There was that as well. But there, is, there are definitely some good signs. Perhaps we don't notice some of the good news as well. So actually what I wrote in my my own contribution to that is I think that there's there's a whole bunch of companies, particularly big tech companies, and particularly the ones that are, are online businesses, who have got security, if not nailed down, they're, they're doing security in the right way. I can't remember us having a breach like the Adobe breach or, or Target or Sony happening to one of the big 
social networks or to Google or to Yahoo or somebody like that. And we, there does seem to be this rhythm now of patching, uh, of patch Tuesdays, of there's just a maturity around the way that some companies are approaching software, offering things like bug bounties because they understand that people who find vulnerabilities can actually command a lot of money on the black market. Yes, I remember when Firefox came out with, you know, their train line, more like Google Chrome development, you know, where every six weeks you get a new version, whether you want features or security fixes, they all come together. But I remember there was a huge outcry. People go, oh, how dare you? You're dumping all this stuff on me. You're making me change. It's going to be a disaster. And by and large, apart from some glitches, people seem to become perfectly used to that. Every six weeks, at least, there's a new version. There are some new features that they may or may not like, and baked in amongst there are a whole raft of security fixes, which kind of get deployed pretty quickly by most people without fuss. And that is a huge change from a few years ago, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, guess what? The world didn't end. For some companies and some types of software, that's, that's just the way it's done now. And I think for the people who aren't doing that, you know, the way is pretty clear. Should we have automatic security updates? It's that being presented with the threat, the very real threat happening to you, uh, tipping you over the line. That's an interesting question for 2015, Mark. I'm going to draw to a close by leaving people to think about that. And I'd like to just conclude by congratulating the grand winner of our 12 days of Christmas quiz. Uh, and people who answered every question right on every day, 12 out of 12, entered for the grand prize. Seven people out of the 3,000 entries in total we got actually managed to get 12 out of 12. We drew one of those as our uber winner, and that person was Trillian Ross. So very well done. With that, I'll conclude Sophos Security Chat Chat 178. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more at soundcloud.com slash Sophos Security. And until next time, Stay secure.